0: Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast, stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. It's two o'clock on Tuesday on the East Coast in the United States, and it must be the Nonprofit Exchange. This is Hugh Ballou, founder and president. Of Centervision Leadership Foundation, where leaders create synergy with their teams because they're so clear on their vision. Today we're going to take it up a level and talk about the value. My guest is a new friend, Mark Boundy, coming in from Scottsdale, Arizona. As you know, Centervision's in the south. We're in Virginia. So we're in very different climates, different time zones. So, Mark Boundy, tell our, our viewers, our listeners. Um, a little bit about who you are and especially related to today's about today's topic it's about value. so talk about yourself and value please
1: yeah and Hugh, thank you a lot thanks a lot for having me on. I'm so uh, appreciative of the opportunity. So my first big boy job out of college it was my first it wasn't my first career type job but it was like the first really impactful one. I worked for this company and that was maniacally focused on value. Um we as often as most companies ask you know big uh, bureaucratic companies ask what's the process for or how do I do this or who do who approves this this company would ask what's our value. They were maniacally focused on value and and that gave me a really weird lens through which to look at the rest of my career. I see the world through what's my value lens. And that has form, informed everything that I've done. Selling, um, and I've always worked in profits. Uh, but in, my, in later parts of my career, I uh, had worked for a couple of comp- sales training companies, some of which are hired by some of the largest nonprofits in the country. And turns out that value and paying attention to your value is, every bit is more important, um, and sometimes even more challenging in the nonprofit world.
0: So the value, when um, in Center Vision, we lead um, leaders through and boards through a strategic planning process. So we talk about why we exist, you know, we're solving problems, we have a solution. And ultimately, we have impact on people's lives. But in that, We have to describe the organizational's unique value proposition. What is the value that we offer people? Why should they choose us? Is that what you're talking about?
1: Yes. And I'm going to challenge you, Luke. uh, I'm going to, Hugh, when you do that and you ask, what is our value? Ask people, what's the definition you're using of value? Uh Aha. If you ask 12 people, what 12 leaders, what their definition of value is, you'll probably get 13 or 14 different definitions. Yes. Yes. So let's start with a definition that we can all agree on. Because if you don't agree on what's value, how can you all agree on what your value proposition is? And if even if you think you agree, when I'm thinking this about value and you think of that about value and we agreed, on some terminology that both of us can live with we haven't, we haven't resolved that fundamental incompatibility have we no so nobody buys your product your service nobody buys your goes to your church for the services they go to achieve some outcome in my world they don't buy your product or service they buy the outcome they achieve when they get your product or service, when they decide to do business with you, when they decide to join your community, when they decide to give to your nonprofit, they achieve an outcome.
0: And that's, the ROI goes from return on investment to return on impact. We give to bring value.
1: Yes, so value is the desirability of whatever that outcome is. And unfortunately, every member, everybody gets their own outcome for their own reason. In the nonprofit world, those outcomes can be crazy varied. And you have to understand what each donor, what each client is looking for in terms of an outcome, and to see if what you do in your nonprofit, in your church, is able to offer them that value. You have to turn yourself into the outcome that every individual person is looking for. And some outcomes you can deliver and some you can't. And that defines the the boundaries of your community, doesn't it?
0: It does. It does. Now, for people listening on the podcast, they can't see your background, but you have um, quite a bookshelf there of, um, you know, you can tell a lot about a person by looking at their bookshelf. But I'm looking at one particular book that's turned sideways, and it says Radical Value. Tell us about that book.
1: Yeah, that's my book. Uh, It came out uh, on the first day of COVID in 2020, Friday, the 13th of March, Friday, the 13th. Um, But there was never a more amazing time for a book like that to come out, because in that book, I start with helping people understand their value. And everybody was pivoting their operations to try to figure out how do I stay in business? How do I continue you know, serving my people? What? How do I support work from home? And you have to understand your value. The purpose of every organization in the world, profit or nonprofit, is to produce more value for its customers and clients than it costs you to deliver. If you're a nonprofit, You can actually have it be the same as your cost to deliver, but it's actually has to return more value to them than they gave to you. That great feeling has to be worth more to them when they donate to you than the amount of money that they gave to you. Otherwise, they don't do it.
0: And that's a really powerful paradigm. We get into the trenches, especially, well... I like to say that the word nonprofit is a lie it's a for-purpose business enterprise not a for-profit one however it is a business we have to generate revenue and we attract revenue by the value right
1: yes so value is the desirability of an outcomes of an outcome people achieve from doing business with you so the value of a house when you're buying it is the value of the neighborhood you're living in, the schools and the uh, ability to bring your family up within those schools and um, the amenities that you love, you know, the hiking trails or the playgrounds that are near that home, that home is the sum of all those outcomes that you're going to achieve as a family because you bought that house. And you're going to pay a certain amount for that house. And that's why a certain house of 2,000 square feet in one area is worth and valued more highly than a 2000 square foot house with the exact same floor plan located in another area because of the affiliated outcomes and the 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 all of those hard to quantify things that are associated with that 2000 square foot house in another area so when you're operating i love that a for purpose or a non for profit you have to This is hard, you have to understand the outcomes that your stakeholders are achieving when they engage with you, when they do business with you. That, and in the nonprofit world, that is insanely difficult.
0: It is, you have to quantify the value in different ways than how many dollars you're making bottom line profit because that's not your ultimate goal. So the challenge is, how do we quantify that? So let's talk a minute about the, the value exchange for the different participants. Now, we've got the nonprofit, we exist to feed people, house people, whatever our mission is. Yeah. That's the value we provide to the community. So our our tagline in Center Vision is transforming leaders, transforming organizations, transforming lives. That's the value that we offer to our communities. Now, For the people that need housing, need food, need clothing, need medical care, whatever it is, they get value because they get something they don't have. Now, we often forget that somebody writes a check because they're making a donation. They're happy because you fulfilled a need for them to be able to feed people, house people, whatever. So there needs to be a fit for their passion. And so we don't really approach the conversation with the donor understanding it brings them value as well you want to comment on that
1: oh my gosh that is that is the most mysterious and that is the most um hard to quantify but there's a when you see a charity on television saying you know we can feed these refugees in in ukraine for only 15 cents a day with the idea being you as a private donor have no chance of getting anywhere close to that. Look at how efficient we are with your money. You can feed a human being for this much. And we are so efficient and we have such matching funds and whatever that we can provide that. So that monetary value is you're, feed, you're saving a human being's life and it it's only going to cost you 15 cents a day right? So that now, geez, you wouldn't, maybe you don't give, you know, money, maybe you're not one of those people who gives money to, you know, panhandlers on an intersection at a stoplight every day or ever. But you'd like to think of yourself as the person who is your brother's keeper. And geez, I can be my brother's keeper by just giving this money to this very responsible organization that does great stuff with it. I am now my brother's, I, I can now look at myself and say, I give this money. I am my brother's keeper. And what does that feel like to you? And how much are you willing to pay for that feeling? Sounds really transactional, but the value, the, the cool thing about a nonprofit, you know, where where I live in the B2B selling, uh, you know, I talk about The value of this software is going to save this many dollars in your operational cost savings. And and it's very concrete uh, in terms of my software that costs $100,000 is going to save you $300,000 in operational cost. That's easy. That's child's play. But you, for this $1,000 donation, are providing this very... ethereal um, benefit, this very ethereal feeling that you don't know what it's worth to somebody. you just know that when they give you that money it's it's at least worth the thousand dollars. And we have to become better as we manage nonprofits about understanding what the outcome each person is giving. Uh, when I talk to um College uh, development folks who are, you know, it's a nonprofit. We take donations for the use of the college endowment. Um, You're giving X amounts of dollars. As is building the college and building that college you love and uh, paying for students and and so forth. So you, you have to quantify what it's doing and what which things, what parts of that different people care about.
0: So that we're not very good as a as a sector of leaders. Let's lump uh, faith leaders and nonprofit leaders in the same bucket because we're doing we're doing charitable work. You know, we're yep. we're running an organization um, for the good of humankind. Now, this uh, we're working around a philosophy, feeding people, or working on a faith journey, or sometimes churches do it all. You know, they they build habitat houses, they feed. So there's there's a mix of things but we're leading people on a mission to provide value now having said that we're not very good as leaders in defining how we describe that value to let's call them supporters um because when you say donor i'm thinking about organ donor or something if you think of a supporter now it's a it's a foundation's going to write you a grant it's a sponsor company wants their brand associated with it. it's a high net worth individuals going to write you a check. It's 100 people that are going to pay you $25 a month. So we're not really good at... So give us some guidance. How do we encapsulate the value? What's the process we go through as leaders to think through, and, and people don't know it, and we have to be able to communicate what the value is to those people that want to support us? Does that question make sense?
1: I, I think so. Um, I'm going to give it... I'm going to... <laughs> I'm going to be like Henry Kissinger. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the answer to the question that I wanted you to ask, and and I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's close. So, so as a leader of a a nonprofit, a faith, faith related organization, whatever, you have to figure out what is your differentiation. What are you? How are you different from every other nonprofit? Because people have lots and lots of options. How are you different? And how? And it's not how you think you're different. How do your customers think you're different? Now, again, in my world, you know, B two B selling, you can actually measure my difference very concretely. Um, it might be that your differences are operational or in your area of focus, but whatever that difference is, and don't worry, because tiny differences can make a huge difference to your supporters. How are my difference? And then think what kind of supporter outcomes, what kind of client or beneficiary outcomes does that difference feed? If I am the best in the world at supporting left-handed homeless veterans with opioid addiction, what does that mean? I, I am, I'm the I am the best in the world at that. right-handed support that just it just means the kind of support you get, just as whatever, right? Um if you're the best, what does that mean? Well, that means I support left-handed opioid users, you know homeless vets. And what what problems do they have? And who cares about that? Well, somebody who supports homeless vets didn't know that seventeen percent of homeless vets, which who are left-handed, aren't getting the kind of support that they need. And I'm the only one who's who's filling that gap. So maybe I should be able to get 17% of your homeless vet budget. Or maybe you like what we're doing and our efficiency and maybe you should give me 35 because you wanna make up for some of the other lunkheads who don't know about your particular nonprofit. And so what are your differences? What outcomes are supported by differences? And oftentimes there's a bunch of different outcomes. You know, when you're a faith community, um, there's the certainty of your your salvation. There's a community. There are activities with people you enjoy. There's a social aspect of being in a faith community. Um, There's a personal growth aspect. Um, And there can be um, some, some faith communities have a group of the members who are really interested in um, deep brainiac theology discussions, and they want to they want to have some uh, very thoughtful conversations that aren't about how you should feel when you're a, a Christian or a Muslim or whatever, but what you should think and how that really works. and Let's talk about predestination today or whatever. and all right, so now as a faith community, these are the things that we do, and these are the things, these are the reason people join a faith community. How well do we serve those, and do we want to serve more of those? And now you have to make sure that if you are really concentrated on providing that community of people who feel great about being a part of your church, what does that feel like? and what kind of activities make people make your members feel more like that than they do now yeah
0: so let's take an example here and i want to i want to move from the philosophical piece of value to the operational factor oh my so, god yeah so we're a um, a local charity and we feed people so we're we have these people who don't have meals and so we we provide groceries for people. They can come and fill a shopping cart and they have groceries to take home and cook, right? So yes, we help people get a meal. That's what a lot of organizations do, but we over and above, we help people. They tr- um, come to a class, help them work on their their dress, help them work on their interview skills and help them get a resume, help them get a job, so we not only feed them, but we help them get out of this poverty so they can buy their own food. So for your donation, you help us help people be self-sufficient. Now, is that the kind of value proposition that I should be presenting uh, to, a, to a potential supporter?
1: Almost. All right. All well, of those things are what we do. We get people food, but the people receiving the food... Get peace of mind. Get my child is learning better in school and he's going to have a better life. Get, I'm getting off the streets and finding a useful place in society. The job training, finding useful place. So the out, so be draw a real sharp distinction between what you do and what that does, what outcomes, because those outcomes, right? A child doing better in school. That's a lot more compelling to me than we gave, you know, a single mom, some feet, some meals.
0: Great, great. Um, That's good. So even teaching this, I have gaps. So don't feel like you're, you're bad, or you you're being criticized, always run your pitch by somebody like Mark, who's a professional sales trainer. Who understands that in, in bottom line, sales is not bad. You're, you're helping people get what they need. And there's a transfer of money. We're helping people get what they need. They're not the ones paying for it. Somebody else is paying the bill, but it's still in that envelope of we're we're conveying a feeling and, and helping people acquire what they need, which is to me a good sales, a good person yeah.
1: So there's yeah, uh-huh. and Hugh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut in getting a child, a better start on life. That's not sales fluff. That's the outcome. Yes. Okay. So don't try not to think of this as cheesy salesmanship, um, giving fluff, fluff marketing. There's a difference between I feed children and children get a better life. They're both true. They both overlap at my feeding the children. But one is what you sell, what you sell to your don't, your supporters. And the other one is what your supporters and what your clients get.
0: Here's here's the underlying piece of information with that whole conversation is in in our sector, uh, faith and, and community leaders, not private leaders, we tend to think of, we don't want to be selling. We don't sell. Wait a minute there's a good part of that. We'd learn the language to convince people to help us. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Um, When you have your heart in the right place, selling is a clean activity. Selling is the most blessed of all activities. It's a win-win. Right. Right. When when you do it from the the right place, if you're trying to be manipulative and try and know that I am uh, when you're trying to be manipulative and just separate somebody from their money, that's the kind of sales that everybody in that nonprofit world should run from properly. But when you are making the world a better place, you're allowed to be proud of that. You're allowed to try to do more of it. And you're allowed to not feel shame at asking more supporters to help you with your mission. And you're really com- not- you are commanded to not be ashamed of that. Absolutely. We got you, this- you, you could find the Bible passage that validates that. I just think it's true. You could tell me where, where that's found in the Bible.
0: I'm not, you know, I'm not sure there's a lot of um really good wisdom in ecclesiastes. You know, it's not, <laughs> nothing new under the sun, you know. We we um, actually that's a new framing. So remember, you heard it right here in the nonprofit exchange. That's a new framing. For what we actually do a bad job of selling because we hit people up for money, and that's it. Rather than helping them be, have be joyful about the difference they're making. Let's let's um, we got a few minutes left in the interview. Let's go to the operational piece. Now you work with larger organizations. We have this thing we call siloing, where people only do their function. Well, it happens even in the smallest of organizations, and it starts with a leader, and the leader is doing too much. In in leadership talk, that's like over-functioning. We do everything because we want to be helpful, but really, we're disempowering other people by doing it all. And so, how do we not, we have processes and we have systems, but we get too deep in the trenches and we lose our flexibility because you know, especially in the last two years, things have changed. So how do we stay attentive to making processes remain relevant?
1: Yeah, Um, there's two major answers to this. One, make sure everybody knows what the connection of their role is to the value, the outcomes that you produce. And I mean, there's a great old story when John F. Kennedy was doing one of the first tours of Mission Control in Houston. He was you know, everybody was showing him what they did, and he came across the janitor, and he asked the janitor, "What do you do?" The janitor says, "I keep this place clean and free of litter so that nothing goes wrong with this equipment, and those that astronauts can go to and safely return from the moon." The janitor. The janitor knew what the job was and how his role connect. So everybody in your organization stop just giving them their job and their process and saying it's my job to connect your process to the next person's process as your leader. That doesn't work. And it works less well in, in. I, I think it probably works less well in a nonprofit organizations, because the mission is less clearly understood.
0: And, and Mark, what you're, you're hammering on us, what we we talk about often, and we, we preach often is this is a business, we need to install good, sound business principles, so that what you just said is so true.
1: Yeah. So here's the second part since early industrial revolution we've taken a static process you know adam smith talked about the manufacturer of pins somebody makes the wire somebody straightens the wire somebody cuts it to length somebody sharpens one end somebody puts the head on the other end somebody puts all of those finished pins in a card right we we broke that big job into its component parts and we got more efficient and that is that is why we break jobs up and give people departments because division of labor is more efficient, but it's only more efficient when the job of making pins doesn't change. If the steel alloy changes, if the machine to make the head changes and gets slower than all the other ones, now everybody has to slow down to the speed of the head putter on her. As soon as, so silos and departments and division of labor is designed for and meant for a process in a world that doesn't change. All of those processes that make you really good at whatever it is the process was designed to do make you bad at doing everything except that. All the other stuff, if they make you bad at changing, they make you bad at realizing that your world is changing. They make you bad at analyzing that change because everybody in your silo, if they get focused downward at their process, isn't focusing outward at the customer outcome. If I'm supposed to get a man to and from the moon and suddenly there's a new technology, the janitor has to kind of know about that. Maybe there's a different kind of cleaning he's got to do. Maybe it has to be a clean room standard rather than just no hamburger wrappers on the mission control board.
0: And don't you know that janitor is proud to go to work every day? Yeah. So I, in in my thinking, there's even a category worse than bad. And I think that would be mediocrity. Would you, can we go there a minute? Yeah. So you have a you have a website, Medio, M-E-D-I-O-C-R-A-T-E-S. And it's WTF. So I'm going to, for those people that are watching on the video, and if, by the way, you can go to the, the org, and you can find all of the archives of the episodes, But um, and you'll see the video, and then we're going to show on the screen here for the video. What do they find when they go to Mediocrates.wtf? Yeah.
1: yeah, we're yeah, at WTF. Mediocrates is an ancient Greek philosopher that we made up um he's fictional yet all too real because he is the father of all mediocre thinking mediocrities is the one who said that's good enough mediocrities has said just follow the process Mediocrates is the one who said we'll make it up as we go along mediocrities is the one who said at your next annual review let's only talk about your weaknesses and we want to laugh about the ridiculous things mediocrities said but then we want to go beyond that and say all right Why is that ridiculous? What is it costing your company? And what is it costing you? How are people laughing at you behind your back when you do this? And what do you want to do instead? So we want to have some fun with the mediocrity. And um, I think it's important, you know, the mediocrity I fight in, in terms of my value practice is not selling value, not having your customers know what, not knowing what your customers think they're buying, not pricing it correctly, not selling it correctly. But I wanted to just help other people fight other kinds of mediocrity and so we we created this movement and you anybody's invited to join at mediocrities.wtf. Uh mediocrities is medio crates. Medio crate so and it's dot WTF, don't which is yeah, there's actually a funny story. There's a company in Toronto, Canada that has mediocrities.com. Uh they sell wooden shipping pallets. And to them, it's mediocrates.
0: crates. <laughs> love, it. love it. Now,
1: how um, mediocre is that?
0: People can find you. Um, there can they f- they go to there and there's a contact or it's uh, Mark at Bounty Consulting. what's the best way?
1: Yeah if you want to talk, if you want to just reach out to me directly um, um, Mark at bountyconsulting.com uh, you can hit the contact email on mediocrities.wtf. If you want to just talk about value, just reach out at bountyconsulting.com but you'll get to me one way or the other.
0: And two, Parting Shots, the book we talked about, Radical Value. Um, People can find that, I guess, on Amazon. But why should they have that book?
1: That book is made to help companies realize that it's not just how your salespeople sell value. It's how everybody in your company who touches your customer helps grow, deliver, and build that value. Uh, I used to have clients. I used to work at a company where there was four or maybe five titles that regularly touch the customer, two of which had sales titles. Now I have clients that have 12, 15, the record is like 20 roles that regularly touch the customer, five or six max have sales titles. Your sales people, the people who touch your users are now the minority shareholder in the customer relationship. And if the rest of your people aren't that janitor who knows how their role connects to that customer outcome, and the, the sad thing is even in huge for-profit companies, um, only 20, 22% of boards of directors, directors on the board of directors, on big companies you've heard of, understand the outcomes their customer achieve, understand the value that company that they are on the board of directors of provides for its customers. So it's a huge failing, which means I guess it's job security for me. Radical value is there to help understand what value is, provide that one definition that we can all march to, how how it grows, where it goes into your customer's mind, how to build more, and how to get everybody in your company delivering it together.
0: And that's magnified in the nonprofit space because everybody in your organization represents your brand, which ought to represent your value.
1: When it's when it when the thing you're selling is an intangible, it gets harder and it becomes even more critical. And there is nothing more intangible than what a lot of nonprofits traffic in, no pun intended. For some of your nonprofits, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and we got to get better at that. So, Mark, you've given us many things to think about, some really concrete examples. So um, thank you for giving us all of these links will be, if you get the podcast, wherever you get podcasts, The Nonprofit Exchange is what it's called. And the nonprofitexchange.org takes you to a place where you can find all of these archives. So today's show, Mark, you're number 340. Thank you for being our guest today on The Nonprofit Exchange.
1: Hugh, thank you so much. What a, what a great conversation. What a great opportunity. Um, I wish all your all you folks out there well.
0: Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit C-SuiteRadio.com.